And now, enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. Welcome to Seeing Red. Hi, boys and girls. Welcome to Scene Red. I'm David K. Montoya. And I'm David's mother, Debbie. We have my mom with us tonight. Um, I've been wanting to do this for a while, but just because of my busy schedule and with mom, and she's constantly on the run. So it's it's taken a, a, a long while. I've I've been threatening to do this for about three months now. So... It's a nice, quiet Sunday night, so we can sit down and, and kind of get into the conversation, and, and I can pick your brain about things. And, you know, well, I, well, we did receive that one email that that guy. Oh, yes. That he liked email. your voice. He liked my voice. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, well, first tell us what what's been going on, because our listeners, now this is, Episode 40, by the way. Okay. Um, and Rebecca and Aaron have been gone for the last five weeks. Yes. Um, go ahead and tell our listeners what's been going on with them, and then we'll, we'll get into the questions. Well, the reason that Rebecca's been gone is she's been having to put a whole lot of hours in for school, and it just literally consumes her whole week. And she only basically has a Sunday off, and by then she's so tired that, you know, that she just doesn't want to get out of bed. So she's almost done with that. Pretty soon she had to make up some hours. So um, pretty soon she'll be able to come back and podcast. And uh, I guess everybody out there is waiting for her to get back. I'm waiting for her not to have to go to school at 7 o'clock in the morning because that would be absolutely wonderful for me. You know, it, you would think that once your daughter gets married, you're no longer the mother. Just remember, you're always the mother. It doesn't <laughs> matter how old they get, you're always the mother. So... And right now she's doing, what, 15-hour days, five days oh, a week? 14. 14. 14 hours, five days, and eight hours, eight and a half hours on the Saturday. Wow. She goes six days a week, yeah. That's that's some serious hours right there. And and for me, I mean, I did it when I was working at, uh, you know, the other hospital, but my thing was is I was getting paid for those hours. She's right. not getting paid for no, any of those hours. No, she's not. So... But she's getting an education. Yes. And that's really important to show them that she can do it. You know, she always used to tell me, Mom, I don't have your stamina, but I guess they don't make me anymore. My son's more like me, and Rebecca's more like her dad, so we're pretty tough. Well, I was going to say one of the things is is, is stamina. You know, that's, right. that's one of the things. It's, kids really don't have a whole, not all kids. I can't say everyone, but that's... 
maybe it's more determination, priority. You know, we know that we have to do something because it's our responsibility. We're the head of the house or or we know it has to be done and no matter how tired we are, no matter how sick we feel, you know, when I'm sick, I go to work. I put a mask on and off I go. Right. You know, it, it it's just something that you do. You know you have to do it. You have an obligation to the person that you, the company you work for. And they have you have bills because instead of going down, they're still going up. Right. You know, the food's getting higher, the gas is getting higher, so you have to do what you have to do. It's it's one of those things where and I was telling Terry about this, you know, just talking about life and how things were and, and I was talking about Randy and for the listeners, Randy is my step or was my well, he'll always be my stepdad. Right. He'll always be my dad. Your dad. Um, you know, and I don't remember exactly what it came about, um, but you know, I was I was just talking about Randy and and whatnot, and and one of the things that came up, and and I I wanted to bring this up is, um, he was so good at keeping stuff from you. For example, he knew probably like six months to eight months before you did that I was smoking. And I, and though I was already 17 when I started smoking, you know, I was almost to that legal age anyway. You know, he, he was, he was good at, at doing that. And I guess for one of the things, and that's kind of an interesting fact now that I'm thinking about it too, is I smoke, Rebecca smokes, and Randy smoked, but you never smoked. You you still don't smoke. No. What was it? I mean, what? how did you... You know why? Because when I was a kid, of course, I was raised in church, but I used to love to sing. And I was in plays and, you know, did acting, did all that kind of stuff, did special singing in school, madrigals, special choir. And I just never really had a desire, but I will tell you what really got me. I was 12 years old, and my mom, of course, my mom smoked. Everybody smoked except for me. And my mom smoked, and she was smoking that cigarette, and I was looking at her. She says, I said, let me smoke a cigarette, Mom. She says, you think you can smoke? I go, yeah. Because you want to smoke that cigarette? I go, yeah, let me smoke it. She says, okay, wait, wait a minute, let me light it for you. And she lit it. She goes, now put it to your lips and take, just really take a deep breath. I almost choked to death. <laughs> it burned so bad. And from that time on, I never, ever, ever had a desire to ever want to smoke another cigarette again. One time. One time. That's all it took. Oh. All right. Well, let's just go ahead and jump back since you're going ahead and you brought up, you know, Grandma, you know, your mom. Um, you were born in Blythe, California. Yes. November 25th. We're not telling the year. Um, okay. We don't have to tell the year. Do we have to tell everybody everything? Well, how podcasting works is the more open you are, the more that you connect with people. I don't know. I started to say, since I'm going to be 60 years old on my birthday. Do the math. I look better than Linda Blair. <laughs> I just saw her on TV a few minutes ago, and she's at least five or six years younger than me. And I said, the, eight, the time has not been kind to her. No. No, she, she looks a lot older. But so you, okay, you guys can do the math. 1953. He just has to blab everything out, but good old mom's going to tell you 1953. Well, what I have planned in my head, you, everybody will be able to be like, okay, that's, that's how it worked. Um, so anyway, you were, you were born in Blythe, California. Um, is it safe to say it was kind of a small redneck community? Or describe Blythe. All I can me. remember about Blythe is dirt, tumbleweeds, and it was hot. Hot as you know what. Hot. 
didn't have anything, maybe one grocery store. Still only has one grocery store. Really? Because that's where my uncle lives. Right. Your Uncle Dean. One grocery store. Albertsons. And Kmart. And that's about it. And you are the product of Jack Evans, correct? Yes. And Mona Dubray. I had haven't said that name out loud in so many years. I actually had to think about it. Um, and and what were they? What what did they do back in that time? You'll when laugh you were born? because my grandmother worked in Blythe in the lettuce, and my dad was a packer even back then. She used to trim the lettuce, and every since my mom was a little girl. My dad had a thing for her. Isn't that terrible? He was, my mom was a beautiful woman. She was five foot ten, slender, long, red hair down to her waist. She was a very beautiful woman. Oh, grandma was a redhead? Yes. I did not yes, know that. Yes. Well, natural or not, that's what she wore. I can what? always remember my mom. I remember my mom had the hair like a horse. And she always wore it down to her waist. And she used to get migraine headaches. And finally, the, the doctor said, you've got to cut that hair. It's too much for you. Really? Yeah, it's too much. Your hair is so thick. She'd always put it on top of her head and wear it like in a bun or something. And they said, you're going to, it's just, she'd get a excruciating headache. So too much weight yeah, on her head. Yeah, too much weight. So, uh, and then as the years went on, I guess we, we were called what you call fruit tramps. They worked in the melons. They worked in the lettuce. And, um, explain that for the listeners. Okay. When you go to a store and you see a honeydew mm-hmm. or a cassava, Crenshaw, these melons are picked in the field, and then they're brought into a processing plant. In other words, they're... They're, they're, they're hand-picked. First. They're hand-picked. Yeah, they have a crew. They hand-pick them, and they're brought in on flat trailers. They have carpet that, that uh, kind of... What do you want to call it? I can't think what it's called right now. Cushion, it cushions it. Okay. It protects it. Then it's gone. It goes down into a bin, and then you have sorters, and they sort the bad ones from the good ones. Okay. Then you have packers. These packers take these melons and put them in crates. Okay, then they go around the bin, and then they have, you have women that takes these stickers, and I don't know if they do it now, but it used to be a Crenshaw, a honeydew, mm-hmm. was Coochers so good, or this or that, and you would put that sticker on there. It would tell you what kind of melon it was, where it was from, and, you know, who processed it. And then it would go up on the conveyor belts and go into the, uh, the train. And that, that kind of was a family thing, wasn't it? They did it for most of their life. Unfortunately, it really made them spoiled because we made really... I remember I started working when I was 12 years old. And, yeah, I used to love it because that was our vacation. People talked about vacation, so I went and worked and made lots of money. <laughs> and, of course, myself, I was like five foot eleven, five foot ten myself or since I was 12 years old. And it was union, and you had to be 18. So when I went for so many years, I was 18. So finally they said, how are you this year? I said, 18. I said, really? I'm 18. I promise you want to see my license. I'm 18. <laughs> well, we've heard that for so many years. We don't believe you. Everybody knew I wasn't, but our whole family worked for the Coochers for at least 15 to 20 years of their life. So after Blythe, how old were you when, when you guys left Blythe? Five years old. Five. And where'd you go? Uh, we went to, I believe, Bloomington or Fontana because Aunt Millie lived in San Bernardino. Now, Aunt Millie is the oldest sister to your mom. Yes. Okay. Just just trying to make sure it's all, all right. laid out. And so how long did you live in Bloomington? You lived down that area until when? Let's see. 
Bloomington, Fontana. I graduated at Bloomington High School, went to Chafee College, um, married Randy in 1985. So how old were you when you went to junior high, when you uh, went to Curtis? Let's see. I was 12. Okay. Well, I lived there until you were 12 years old. So that would have been 19, let's see. I would have been 10 in 87. In 80, yeah, because that makes sense. In 89, we moved right. where we live now. Right. Um, so, okay. So you, that was pretty much it. Right. Now, what was it like growing up in that time? Because, I mean, people, people that listen to this now, the majority of the listeners essentially were born in the 90s. And, I mean, there's some people that will, you know, veer back into the 80s and even in, in when I was born in the 70s, but the majority of listeners of podcasting are, you know, kids of the 90s. And I can't even say they're kids anymore because people that were born in the 90s are in their 20s now. So what was it like back then? What was? What do you mean, what was it like? I, I led a pretty boring life because I didn't party. Mm-hmm. I didn't go out and get in trouble. You know, uh, my mom had this thing, well, I trust you. And I think I was more afraid of my mom than anybody because... I had a lot of freedom, and yet I did nothing with that freedom because I knew that God was watching me, mm-hmm. and my mom was watching me. And I'm telling you the honest truth, I was petrified of my mom. And that's interesting because, you know, years down the road, you did the exact same thing to me. I remember you always told me, you trust me. And I, and for the most part, folks, I was I was a very straight and narrow kid. I, I did not get in trouble or, or anything like that. I wasn't a, a hooligan or anything. And that was just based on the idea of trust. You were putting, to me, it felt like almost a, a thing of, of, how do I explain this? It made me feel almost like an adult. And of course, as a child, that's your, your strive is to reach adulthood. And being told that I trust you on this level kind of made me feel like an adult. So I never wanted to lose that trust because that was, that was my way of feeling like an adult. But I've always, I, I think I was more overprotected of you than I was your sister. You know, I mean, not just anybody watched my kids. Right. My kids never went to babysitters, either family or it was me. You know, or your great-grandmother or your grandmother, you know, your grandpa, something like that. It was just wasn't like, just never. Right. I just, you know, I, I just would not trust anybody with my children. So you, you kind of brought up in the beginning uh, that you sung. Now, when did you start realizing that you enjoyed singing? When I was 12 years old. I was really? in junior high. Yeah. And one of the things, interesting enough, that I didn't even know until many years later when uh, Rebecca and I were talking about this, and I don't know if it's on, actually on recording or not, we were just talking, and that you were a stage actress. You liked acting. Yes. And what kind of acting? I mean, was it like... Well, we did all of her stuff like that. I liked to sing. I enjoyed singing. I remember one time, uh, Leslie, myself, and I don't know who else, we sung with Little Richard. Believe it or not, folks, Little Richard was a Christian. I guess I don't know what he is now, but when he came to our church, we sung with him. We sung back up with him. Really? Yeah. Now, so what you're saying is, is pretty much, it would, it would have been more like Broadway acting, right? 
yeah, you know, stuff like that. I, I could have been a, a Doris Day, I guess, or Sandra D. I don't know. I'm not that old, but I mean, that's, you know, I enjoyed that. When I was a kid, that's what, you know, uh, always liked the musical, the Broadway and all that kind of stuff. I've done a, I, let's see, for what, four or five years, I was with a Christian singing group and we ministered all over California. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, is, is that what happened? Is, is that your faith became so strong that you kind of turned away from your original dream? You know what? I, okay, when I first met Randy, he wanted me to sing in bars. Uh-huh. Okay. I couldn't do that because I felt like the gift that God had given me wasn't intended for that. Now, what people choose to do, that's between them and their conscience. But for me, I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. And so, you know, um, I don't, I mean, I could have probably done a lot of things. Uh, I could have been a model. I could have been a movie star. I was one beautiful woman. I don't know what happened to me, but I was, I'll tell you. I'm serious. It was your stepson. Uh, probably. He probably <laughs> made all my fair hair fall out and, and well, turned me old before my time. It's, it's, I've always sat and wondered this, is because for me, ever since I was, interesting enough, 12 years old, when I realized that I was a writer, nothing has stopped me from pursuing my dreams. And, and I was just kind of curious as to, because the way that the, the conversation was is actually the conversation was between Rebecca and, and, and your mom, Grandma Mona. Uh, and it, she told Rebecca about how you, you wanted to be an actress more so than a singer, but that was yeah. your thing was being an actress. And part of me, I mean, I'm the type of person, if you want it, go do it. But Don't see, drag your feet. Just go do it. So, but, but my faith has to be a part of that because you know how we were raised. You know, you know that we were all raised in church. You know how we were taught. And I mean, I got married. I had you. You know, got divorced. Had your sister. Got married. Had your sister. You know. Oh, I'm getting there. Okay. You know, and there's a lot of things that change in life, but foremost, always I've tried, and I'm not perfect. I've made my mistakes. But I've always tried to put the Lord first in my life. And um, sometimes you walk away from that. Sometimes you get so overwhelmed with everything. You know, you're not who you should be, but you're striving to get there. And like I said, um, I enjoy singing. I, It's my type of worship, the way that I praise God, you know. So it's just, I don't know, maybe that was a kid's dream, but I, I really enjoy singing. I, I, and I could act, I could, I could have probably been an actress, let me tell you, because I'm a ham, I'll tell you that much, but. I was gonna uh, say, you know, we're, we're almost 20 minutes into this, and they're probably going, that's where he can get his talking ability from. <laughs> yeah, he can talk, but we all have that natural knack. What can I say? Um, okay, so, you graduate high school, you did very well. I was the youngest senior. Um, high school. Speaking of Youngs, did I tell you the news about Jaden? Yes, you did. Very uh, proud of him. Okay. Very proud. Well, I didn't. I haven't brought this to anybody's attention. I don't think. I can't remember. I I do so many podcasts every week. It's hard to keep track of where I say what. Um, Jaden is 11 years old, but he was just bumped from sixth grade to seventh grade. So he's a seventh grader at 11 years old. That is an accomplishment, especially when. 
he and and this is no secret because any any podcast that I'm on, I, I talk about this. Is he's a functioning autistic, and I'm not going to go there. I'm just going to touch on this, and then because this is about you, and I want to talk about you, but this is something that I think that needs to be said. Is that when my son was not even maybe six seven months old. A physician told me that he would never walk, talk. He'd be a vegetable, essentially. That's right. And now, shoot, all these years later, he is one of the smartest people I know. And I, I'm not saying really, that... He really is an intelligent child. To he the is. point where he's... He because you don't hear about people getting kicked up a grade. You hear yeah. them getting kicked back yeah, a grade. Right. But he's actually moved up, you know. Very and, proud of him. He's and a good kid. He does. He's Love doing really well. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, okay, so let's get into. Uh, what? Okay, you get out of high school. I got to keep all this chronologically yeah, in order I got in my out head. Of high school. Um, and from high school to meeting my my father, my for a better, well, lack of a better term, my sperm donor, essentially. Okay. Um, how many years was that in between? Probably about, let's see, so it's probably five years. Okay, five years. Um, so let's see, I, I'm trying to think of the best angle of attack here. <laughs> okay, in that five years, let's just go ahead and just work our way up to it. Um, so what did you do after you got out of high school? What, what, what did you do? Went to work in a textile mill in Ontario. Now, education wasn't really that big of a thing from our family. I mean, just honestly. Just well, no, back in them days, you could get a job anywhere. You could you could literally get a job anywhere. It wasn't hard to get a job. It was more know? manual labor jobs. Well, yeah, well, working like at a market, being a cashier, I've done that. You know, uh, I, I ran a, a an oven. They called it an oven at a textile mill. And the thing that was so funny, this is so funny, I was paid $2.65 an hour. Okay. They hired me. I go, oh, Lord. And uh, when I quit there, I was making $5 an hour, and that was a lot of money. Really? A lot of, yes, a lot of money. Yes. So in comes David Montoya, and I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about, again, my sperm donor. It's David Charles. And so how old were you when you first met him? Uh, let's see. I had known his family for years and years. Because I had knew him from church. You know, they tried to fix me up with Ernie, right? No, no. Okay, this is yeah. some new stuff. What now? Explain. Because I used to go home with Monica all the time after mm -hmm. church. Now, Monica's I, my aunt. That's my dad. Well, yeah. Just call yes. him my dad for, for sake yes. being his sister. Uh-huh. Baby and sister. And they used to tell me, oh, we wish you could meet Ernie. You know, he's single. Wish you could meet Ernie. So, but I, I never did. And, and uh, so... um. I guess I was about 21. 21. Mm -hmm. And was it kind of like, well, let me just stick on the, the Ernie thing. Ernie, he's the one who's like seven foot tall, yeah? He's, yeah, he's like six foot eight. He's, he's a very, and that's where, you know, we get our height from. Yeah, he, he was a very tall. Your grandpa Montoya, he was like six foot five himself. A big burly man, a husky man. Yeah. Okay, so you never meet who would later become my uncle. No. 
but you you met David Charles Montoya. Right. Um, you were 21 years old. Right. Where were you at this time? Where Where did you guys first meet? Church. Was that church? Yeah, church. Now, were you like smitten instantly, or were you like, oh, this this guy maybe? No, I or? just no, I just went to church and and uh, I remember I sung a song. And I had seen him quite a few times and hadn't really talked to him. And uh, he came up to me and he says, you know, he says, I just want to tell you, he goes, that, you have a beautiful voice. That's just, you have a lovely voice. And I said, well, thank you very much. He goes, would you like to go out and have some lunch today? And I said, well, I don't know. And Grandma goes, go out with him. Go out with him. She only knew <laughs> then what she knew now. She'd be going like, don't go, don't go. But I said, well, I don't know. She goes, go on, go on. I said, I said, okay. That, uh. I would go out with him, and that's just where it started. And that was one of the things that I do remember you saying, you know, throughout my childhood is that he was always a charmer. He knew how to charm you. Well, he was Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I'm getting there. Yeah. Um, so from that first luncheon or lunch date or whatever you want to call it, um, from day one to him proposing. How many years was that? Or you know, oh, it was only about eight months. It was only eight months. Yeah. So from that point to that point, um, he asked you to marry him. Right. How does he go about doing that? You remember? He just tells me, "Are you going to marry me?" <laughs> I said, "I don't know. Am I?" He goes, "Yeah, you are." I go, "You think so, huh?" So basically, he just said, "Will you marry me?" And I said, "Yeah." Now what? Because I did love him, believe it or not. Uh -huh. I did love him. Um, one of the interesting things, too, it, well, there's a couple interesting things about the man named David Charles Montoya, but one of the interesting things that I know, that I wouldn't know until later in years when I'd come to meet him in person, is he he's illiterate. He is. He was. But he could do anything. He could build a house. He could do plumbing. He could do wiring. But I haven't, there wasn't much I hadn't seen that man that he could not do. But it wasn't all his fault either because when they were kids, they weren't allowed to go to school. Um, do you mind if we go down that avenue for a I minute? I don't care. Okay, so he, let's see, there was what, four of them? Or oh, five? no, there were six of them. Six. But I, let's see, Ernie. Go ahead and say them out Lin loud. Okay, Ernie, Linda, Barbara, Monica, David and Jean. Yeah, forgot yeah. about Jean. Uh huh. Yeah. And essentially, the way it cuts is that their father was very not only mentally abusive but physically abusive. Yes. You'll have to tap in on this because I only know a little bit of what you've told me. He he's he kind of refused to talk about it. He refused to open up about, you know, because I have a thing about kind of like psychoanalyzing people. It's just something I do. And I think he kind of picked that up and he, he closed up and he really didn't want to talk about it. So what was it? Why did he, why was he made to drop out of school? What was the? Well, because gr the grandpa, well, his dad would work fix TVs. So him and Gene, the oldest son, would be up all night long fixing TVs, but they needed some tea or they needed a sandwich or they needed something. And the shop was the shop was like in back of the house or something like that, not a part of the house. The mom would make it and the kids would have to go out there and take it to them. Mm. So it was pretty much almost like slave labor kind of thing. 
Because they didn't get no money out of it. No, I, I think it was just, I guess they thought that's the way it was because Grandma Matoya, she was not like that, but he was before, that was before the grandfather became a Christian. He was very, he was a tyrant. He was very overbearing. He was just a mean man, mean person. Um, do you have any examples of like mental abuse that he would do? Well, I don't know. David gave him a lot of problems. I know that uh, your dad stole a police officer's motorcycle before. And, uh, yeah, and the only way that they could keep from paying for it, they put him in a mental institution. Really? Yes, they did. How long was he there? He was there like six months. And then finally, uh, the, the uh, Dorothy said, you're going to go get him and bring him home. She said, you're not going to leave him there. And I guess when he got there, he was just skin and bones because they kept him sedated the whole time. Right. And he wouldn't let him come home, so he put him in a trailer and made him stay out in the trailer because he might have lice. Just mean stuff. You know, he was just a mean, he really was a mean man, unconsidered, unkind. But, you know, and I look at David and I can understand all this stuff, you know, just you don't have enough time to really sit down and just, you know, everything that he endured. Him more so because he was rebellious. Right. All the girls got married and left home. You know, Ernie left when he was like, because I think Ernie's like a year or two older than your dad. So, I mean, just the things that he told me, you know, like him working at a a, a restaurant and when people didn't eat their food, he would take it home and eat it. He was starving. I mean, I mean, he he just had a lot of, he didn't really have a whole lot of opportunity in life. He was mistreated a lot. He had a lot of anger. He still has a lot of anger and a lot of hate inside of him. Yes. Distrust for everybody. He didn't trust anybody, you know. Now, did he tell you all about this before or after you get married? After. <laughs> after. <laughs> so you guys, you um, you dated for eight months. Right. And then he just pretty much hounds you until you give in about marrying him? Oh, well, there's a lot of, like I said, it's just too much to go into. Uh, he had been married before, and I did not know that she was in California. And every morning he was stopping by and having breakfast with her. And he had, you have a sister, Michelle. Right. And I knew that he had a sister, Michelle, but I didn't know this was going on. And when I found out, I told him, hit the road. I was mad. Oh, you gave him the boot? I gave him the boot. I said, uh-uh, no. And we had had everything set up. I had a wedding dress. I had everything, and I was mad. I canceled everything. Everything. All ooh, right. I, ooh, I got mad. Let's back up just a little <laughs> okay. bit. Okay. Um, who out of the parents, out of, you know, your mom, my grandma, or his parents, who did you tell first that, was, that you two were getting married? Probably Grandma Mona, Grandma Ruby. And what was their reactions? Which one was... Well, I figured Grandma Ruby, which is my great-grandmother, um, I figure she was probably more endorsing than Grandma Mona, which is your mom. Well, you have to realize, like I said, David would do anything for anybody. He... Grandma liked him. Then. Yeah. Yeah. Because he never cussed. He never raised his voice. He would do it. Like I said, she said, David, uh, go out there and cut my grass. Okay, Grandma. David, go move my whole household. Okay. Okay, Grandma. I've seen him do it all by himself, move a whole household. Really? Oh, yeah, many times. Especially with mine on the front yard. 
<laughs> yes. Um, so let's flip the coin. What was the, the Montoya's reactions? They didn't like me. Why? I don't know. I, I do not know. Was it because you were white? No, Grandma Montoya's white. Well, yeah, I know. She's actually Irish. Right, but I'm saying... But, I mean... Well, I, I should... It's it's kind of that lenient type thing, because Montoya, from my heritage, is Spanish, not Mexican. But there and is... And Indian. But uh, that's where I was going, is but there is Indian in the bloodstream. Yeah. And my grandfather looked like an Indian. To me, right, that's yes. what he looked like. He looked Grandpa like Montoya him. looked like, uh, yes. So he was tall. Right. But that's the Spaniard part right. of it. Right. So that's right. why when I say you were white, that's that's why I'm referencing the, the, the skin color is because he was, like I said, he was darker. Now, interesting enough, though, and I am, my dad was is light-complected. I'm light-complected. Jaden's a ghost. He's really white. So somewhere along the line, that Indian kind of got kicked out. But anyway, so they didn't like you. They were were they they were pissed off or what? Well, they think that you know he should have stayed with his other wife. Now, <laughs> what what there is too to this also is mom mentions one wife, but I know that mom was number three on the list. <laughs> So there was actually another wife before. Right. right. Uh, and, and your dad was only 25. No, he wasn't. He had to be older than that. Well, he's he was um he was almost 30 years old. So he was 29 going on 30 when I was born. Okay, so I was wrong. Because the first time he was married, he was 17. And she was 25. Oh, really? She was much older? Yes. Wow. Um, So... Tell me, what did they do? What, what was their explanations? What, I mean, what was, was it like, uh, you know, throwing stuff at you and telling you to leave or were they just giving you a cold shoulder? No, just, I don't know how to explain it. They weren't very friendly. They were never, well, your grandma's always been a kind person. Your grandpa's the one that was kind of whatever, standoffish because he had made a statement one time, you know. That if we ever had kids, not to worry because they weren't going to come over and his couch, come over and piss on his couch. And I got right in his face. I said, "Excuse me, what makes you think I would ever let you watch any of my kids?" And I, other than pictures, I have no recollection of them as a child. Uh, when we were in church, I remember when you were little, uh, we would go to church and you crawled. I told you go see your grandma. And you crawled underneath the this underneath the thing, underneath the benches. Mm -hmm. You're very old. You're like about two years old, maybe three. And you went over there, and she held you for a little bit, and then you crawled back and, you know, got back in my lap. But, yeah. No, because we never had much to do with them. But you have to realize that I divorced your dad when you were like two years old, three years old. Right. And, so again, I'm, I'm getting there. Yeah. I'm, I'm doing everything in uh, chrono okay. chronological order. Sure. Okay. Well, you know me. <clears throat> so, you guys got married in October of 1976. I don't remember exactly what day, but I remember it was October because I have your marriage certificate. And how was the wedding? What was that like? That was a laugh, too. Okay, 
Your dad called me every day for a settlement. Okay. Are you going to marry me? Are you going to marry me? And he didn't drink much. And when he would get drunk, he was just something else. I said, are you drunk? Yes. He was crying. What are you crying for? Well, are you going to marry me? I said, no. And then finally my grandma says, you might as well just marry that boy and get it over with. She says, he's just going to hound you to death. So I said, all right, if you want to get married, come bring me some money and I'll go get me a dress and we'll go get married this weekend. And my mom, Grandma Mona and Grandma Ruby yes. went with us to get married. We got married in Vegas. And I was scared to death because we hit a flash flood. First time I ever been to Vegas in my life. Really? Yes. You were 23, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, you had just turned 23. Yeah. No. Almost October. I was 22. You're 22 going on 23. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it was pretty much just a hitch and go kind of thing. We huh? got married at a chapel, and uh, Grandma Mona and Grandma Ruby was our witnesses. Uh-huh. And we got something to eat, and uh, stood it because it was raining so bad, we just went to a casino and played a little bit of whatever. Never even did it before in my life. And then we came home. And now, a word from our sponsors. Before 1971, a young S. Sadie Burbank could only imagine a simple American life as a loving wife and mother. That was her goal when she first married in 1959 at the age of 18. But with the wild social revolution of the 1960s, Burbank's idea of a perfect life would quickly change as she left behind her family to begin a new existence of her own. Her journey would find her on a plane headed toward her new lover, Steve, who was halfway across the world, waiting her arrival in a small bush camp in the country of Liberia. Once there, Sadie is greeted with a fascinating, strange world and plunges herself into the exotic land of the bush. But less than six months later, Sadie would realize all was not as it seemed, and Steve was not the man she fell in love with. Burbank found herself desperately seeking escape from the camp and her lover as she raced back to Robertsfield Airport, literally running for her life. Based on an unbelievably true story by S. Sadie Burbank, Red Hills, Green Vines, and Dried Monkey Meat for Dinner is a manuscript of Burbank's adventurous and deadly experience during a time filled with sex, drugs, and murder. Now available in paperback and hardback. For more information, log into www.redhills.us. Are you looking for a new book, comic, or apparel from your favorite MythWorks or independent creators? Then you're in the right place. Introducing the all-new redesigned MythMart store. Now bigger, badder, better. Sign up and become a member and receive 10 to 50% off on selected items. Get the all-new Terry D. Shearer's Bloody Hell t-shirt, or non-members can pick up one of our e-books for only $4.95. Or go into the past and relive the 90s with MythWorks Comics Classics for $3.99. The new MythMart. Bigger, badder, better. Visit MythMart at www.mythworks.com slash MythMart. Or find us on Facebook for extra savings.
you own a business or have an item you want to sling? Do you want a chance to reach potential customers? Do you want to make some extra cash? Then here's your chance. For $50, you can have a one to two minute commercial featured on each of our shows for an entire month. With six shows a week, that's only $2.09 per podcast. Plus, for an extra 10 bucks, your item will be placed into MythMart. So sit back and relax as they handle all stages of transactions. Contact our ad department at info at jazelmon.com. Now, I am going to bring this up. Don't bring it up. Whatever it is, don't do it. I, I honestly, I just, I want to know. Did you know that you were pregnant with me? Yeah. You did know you were pregnant with me? Of course me? I did. Okay. <laughs> of course I did. <laughs> and then, so, let's see, October. So, you guys got married in October. Six months later, here. Here comes me. I'm trying to think that that's when the license, because that was only one month, Kevin. So I'm sorry, you guys. Uh, my side of the family calls him a different name. So I slipped and I called him Kevin, but he doesn't like that name because it's not professional. So that you know, I'm talking about the same person. Yeah. David, uh, that's what K stands for. Yeah, David K. Montoya is Kevin. Okay. Just. No, we got married in September. You got September? Yes, but it didn't get registered until October. So you were a month pregnant when you yes. got married? Okay. Yes. Now, just being open and honest, was that a, a really motivating factor to get married? Or no. no. Because, I mean, it was the 70s. There was more liberation to women's, you know, having children, single parents. There was It was more becoming more accepted than, you know, say the 60s or the 50s. So that really didn't play a factor. No, I did love your dad, and, and he just said it was a misunderstanding about this and that. And I said, okay, that I would, if he wanted to get married, then let's go get married. So we did. Now, at what point does things start taking a spin for, you know? Two weeks after we were married. Really? Just two weeks? Two weeks. What happened? Have you ever saw a movie where, like, someone would be like, they wake up, and when they wake up, they're like, who is this person I'm married to? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was your dad. Two weeks. I'm like, who is this person? He cussed. Uh, I mean, he So you was... never heard him cuss until after you got married? Until after we got married. Wow. Never cussed one time, ever. Ever. And I remember one time he made me mad. I had made him something to eat, and he was over at, we were at Grandma's house. And he made me mad, and I picked that sandwich up, and I threw it right in his face. And all he did was laugh at me. Oh, I was so mad. Do you think now, because honestly, I didn't know nothing about him being in the mental ward. Being in the mental ward, do you think that could have prompted him into maybe like a, a schizophrenic behavior? Because that's the way it sounds to me, is that, you know, you don't wake up, you don't know somebody for eight months that is sweet as can be, don't cuss, don't whatever, and then, you know, 14 days later, they're complete opposite. That's that To me, that's a schizophrenia. I mean, I just don't know because I just don't know. But you decide to stick it out for the next two years. Two or two or 
Well, really, what happened was we lived with Grandma Ruby. Uh huh. And then Grandma Mona gave us a mobile home. Right. We were in a park, and she gave it to us. And um, your dad was very, very jealous of me. Always accused me of doing stuff. Accused me of being with other men. Uh, I remember one time when I was pregnant with you, I raised my blouse up and I scratched the side like this and Richard was there and I think Richard was 13 years old. Uh-huh. And after Richard left, he slapped me and ripped my blouse off me and called me a whore because I was trying to show my belly to, to Richard. That's when all that stuff started. Now, just to fill that in, Richard is, where does he fall in line? He's your, my Aunt Judy's son. He's my cousin. Okay, so your mom's sister. youngest sister... sister. That son. was her son. son. Yeah, and he's like 12 or 13. So your first cousin's yeah. with, and that would be my second cousin. Right. Okay. Um, how was it, because I'm trying to, again, I'm trying to pin a, paint a mental picture for not only me, because obviously I have no <laughs> recollection of any of this time. I have one memory, and I'll get to that later. But, you know, for the listeners, we've got to paint a, you know, this is... Theater of the mind, essentially. All right. May 8th, 1977. That's when I was born. Mother's Day. Mother's Day. Sunday. What was that like? What was, I mean... Well, he always told me if I had a, a, a boy, it wasn't his, right? <laughs> and I knew you were a boy. I knew you were going to be a boy before... Because we picked out names. And he wanted to name you Tanya. If I was a... Yeah, I think he was in love with my sister, but he wanted to name me. He goes, if you're a girl, we're going to name him Tanya. I said, he's not going to be a girl. I said, if he's a boy, I'm going to name him because that's what's going to be. And uh, he always told me, well, if you have a boy, it's not mine. I go, well, I don't know whose it's going to be. Well, the interesting thing is is that if you put up a picture of, of him and put up a picture of me now, there is no doubt. Well, you have the little fingers, the little crooked fingers that run in his family. But I also have the same body build, too. Yes, but that's why God gave you the little crooked fingers so he couldn't deny you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so was it... Because at this time, out of all my first cousins, I'm considerably older, well, other than uh, Michael. which But he's still younger. Patrick. You have Patrick, oh, yeah, Patrick, Michael, and yourself. But, so there really wasn't, okay, so Patrick, Patrick is almost exactly a month older than I am. Right. Um, so, out of all this new family, or all the family that you have, the, the, you're the first one to have the kid, you know, out of, out of your sisters and your brothers. What was that like? Was it just like, was there excitement? Was it, because it's, it's kind of hard for me to see excitement from, your siblings. I just don't see, because, and I, I don't know why, but there's not that much emotional connection um, with everybody. My mom was totally excited, and so was my grandma and my grandpa, but other than that, I guess, because Tanya Ray and Jackie, and then Deanie was back in Indiana in the service, so, and Sean was just a little kid himself, so not really, but yeah, we were their first, uh, first grandchild. Sean was, let's see, Sean is almost seven years older than me. Almost to the day, he's almost seven years. Because his birthday is, he was born May 18th or 19th? 18th. Uh, 19th. 19th. So, 11 days after I was born, he would turn 
seven. Right. So, so that's just kind of throwing out how young he was. So it, it really wasn't that significant to him. But did you feel like alone or, or anything like that? Or No. I was loved. My grandmother loved me. My grandfather loved me. You know, I've always lived with my grandma and grandpa and my mom, so well, I didn't feel alone. <clears throat> Two I mean, of the greatest people that ever walked the face of this planet yeah. was my, my grandmother. I'm going to try it because... Your great-grandmother. My great-grandmother. Um, my grandma Ruby and my great-grandfather. Um, we called him Grandpa Perky, but yeah. his real name was William Virgil. Virgil. And that's where Jaden's middle name comes from, is from Grandpa Perky. Um, see, I thought you were going to start balling first. <laughs> no, I, I, I mean, I don't know. I, my dad was never around, but I had a great grandmother and I had a great grandfather and I was so blessed because... They were wonderful people. They were. I remember, <clears throat> you know, and this is, this is kind of shooting ahead, but it's a, it's a fun story to tell. Um, I have a lot, and I, 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 it's weird because I know I wasn't that old, but I have a lot of recollection as a little boy with my great-grandfather, Grandpa Perky. And I was, now, where they lived, they lived in this small apartment, and just right up a dirt, path was my aunt's house well my great great aunt aunt, um, which was my great grandmother's sister and I was out and I always played in there well as a little boy it seemed like a forest but obviously it was just trees everywhere and I remember my my grandpa Grandpa Perky told me he's like you need to be in when I call you and I heard him calling and um I just ignored him. I don't know why. I was just a little boy. But anyway, he had to come get me. And that was the first and last time he ever spanked my butt. And let me tell you something. To this day, I still remember the concept of being hit with that hand. It felt like bricks. And I'm not exaggerating. Because he hit me so hard, my legs went with from underneath me. And he's the first person that brought the concept of actions generate consequences, whether it be good consequences or bad consequences. I didn't listen to him, so I... I, You got it. (laughs) I got it. Um, Okay, so I'm born, and how was he, how was was my dad during this time when, because he finally got his son. Um, Your father was a womanizer, and... um, I don't know how to explain it because we were married probably, maybe we were married three years, but in them three years, we probably lived together one year. Ah, so it was off, on, off, on, right, off, on. Right, right. Because he was abusive. Uh, he would, I, I remember one time that uh, he, I, I called him a son of a you-know-what. Just say he it. made me mad. Well, but. But he made me mad, and I was not referring to his mother, but I just, he made me mad. Right. It was just a, it was a referencing piece right. to and him. He came out of my mouth, and he took off his shoe and started beating the fire out of me right there at his sister's house. And they wouldn't do nothing to help me. And I got you and, and put you on my hip, and I took off walking home. And I would not let him pick me up. So eventually, your aunt came, and she picked me up and took me home. And I asked her, Why didn't you help me? 
Oh, we didn't want to get into your problems. I said, so if he'd have beat me to death and I'd have been bleeding and dying, you just left me there? Oh, he wouldn't have done that? I said, well, I had big old webs all over my arms, on my face and everything. Yeah. Really? But that's not the first time. He hit me in the head with a baby bottle, too. And they were sitting there, and they said, well, we're going to go now. They would never, ever stand up Was it out me. of fear or what? I have no idea if you want to know the truth. Because I thought she was my friend, but what I found out years later, she wasn't. But I thought she was. So, so I told you a little bit a few moments ago that you know I have one referencing memory, which is really scary because I it's my first memory. It's the farthest I can remember back, and I remember he was holding me. We were standing in this. It's kind of a kitchen area, right? Yeah. Okay, so he's holding me, and he's facing a door, which had yellow curtains and in this window, window. right? Uh -huh. To his left was the kitchen. Yes, that's right. To his right was a, like a hallway, which right. would turn into living room and bedrooms and stuff. I, I remember this. Isn't, yeah. that, isn't that weird? It is weird, but that's the truth. Now, he was holding me, and uh -huh. I remember him laughing, and I remember you banging on, because the door, the front door. He threw me out the door. Right. And said so he was going to take you from me. And I remember... What, you, putting my fist you're the putting your fist through the window. Yeah, which That's true. shocked the hell out of him. Because by the time your hand went through the window, unlocked the door and walked in, he just handed me to you. Yeah, and that was it. And then you took me, and and we I remember left. I remember seeing blood on your hand. You had cut yeah, your I hand. Yeah, I cut my hand. And we le we left to Grandma, Grandma Ruby's, and that's, that's yeah. that. From that point on, I don't think we never went back there. That was no. that was the last right, day that, was that the you, last time. Isn't that weird? It is weird. It's the truth. Yeah, because he had girlfriends. He was with other women, and God knows I never was another ever 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 unfaithful to that man, ever unfaithful to him. And I just finally I. Remember I was telling you I was laughing. I told you I've seen him move a whole household by himself. Right. Well, he's done that. He did that like three times. So we went backwards and forwards so many times together. I mean, I wanted to try to make it work because for you, and I did love him, but he literally just squashed me. He literally, I couldn't go to church. I couldn't talk to anybody. I couldn't go to my family's house. If I looked at a man not even looking at him, I was accused of whatever. Right. You know? But and, and I'm just going to say this plain and bluntly. If you would have stayed with him, could you imagine how fucked up in the head I would be? I mean, honestly, truthfully, mm -hmm. I I would I would be like the rest of them. Yes. Yeah. So now here comes another piece into the puzzle. Is that was nineteen? Let's see. If I was, was it two or was I three? I'm trying to think. I know you weren't very old. Because if uh, if I was two, then it would have only been 1979. You might have. It must have been three. I think okay, were because three. It, we were in the 80s by then, 1980. Well, I'm trying to think. That doesn't make sense to me because in 1981, I went to Hawaii. I remember that. Okay. And when I came back, so I think that was like 82 because I went to work for the county, and I was already separated. For, I was already. I don't know if I was divorced or you read or separated. I think we were divorced by then or almost divorced. Okay. Because so, I had to do it twice because the first time we didn't do it right. So probably so there I didn't was divorce a ling him until 83, but we were really separated since like So there was a, a, a lingering divorce process. Right. Okay. That makes sense because I'm going to bring up something that 
she told me, and I actually argued the point, and now going through the actual chronological time, I kind of see where he's thinking this, is he said that you, because you were a CNA, yeah. And you worked at the VA hospital. Now, was this during that time? No, I didn't work for the VA hospital until I was married to Randy. Really? Yes. Okay, then he was like way off. Because he, we we literally, when, when I lived in Arkansas, we butted heads. Um, saying that that's where you met Randy. Is no. that he was no. a, a patient. No. And... I met Randy through my Aunt Judy and her husband, Bob. Right. Yeah. You like that conversion? See how we're, we're moving yeah. into the no, the next yeah, that's, time frame? That's where I met Big Randy at. Now, let's see. You know when he came down with his girlfriend? Yeah, I remember that. I worked at the VA then. Oh, really? Yeah. So, so Rebecca I was, was already two. I was like, I was in junior high getting ready to go into high school, wasn't yes. I? Yes. Yeah. Rebecca was two. Now, let's see. Let's see. I'm trying to think of where to start from. Okay, so it takes a, a, a kind of a long process to get a divorce because you screwed up on the paperwork. Right. But you did get a divorce. Yes. You've moved on. After, the, after that process, once the divorce was done, he did leave. He left the state of yes, California. Yes, he left. Now, he went to Oklahoma first, right? Arkansas. He, or he's always been in Arkansas? He's always been in Arkansas. Okay. And then... Yeah, because... He must have left when you were two, mm -hmm. and or maybe two and a half, because it was almost three years before I even dated anybody else or anything. So really, uh -huh. and then go ahead and set the set the picture for us. It was what year was it when you met Randy? Uh, nineteen eighty three. Eighty three. Okay, and where were you at? Just give us a mental picture. Okay, um, my aunt Judy's, my mom's youngest sister, said, you know, she says, uh, I really like for you to be meet Big Randy. And I said, she goes, you're really like him. He's a big, tall, husky guy. And you know how you like tall guys? I go, yeah. And I said, well, when am I going to meet him? And I was working for the VA. Had doctors wanting to take me out. And Rebecca used to tell me, what was I thinking? But I don't know. <laughs> I wasn't thinking, I guess. And so um, finally they invited me over for a barbecue. We went to the barbecue. And uh, he had his niece with him, Lori, I believe. And he says, well, you know, he said, uh, I'll call you sometimes and we'll go to the movies. So I waited and waited and waited and waited and he never called. And I called my engineer. I said, is this man going to ask me to the movies or watch? He goes, well, right now he's on workman's comp and he's waiting for his uh, check to come in because he got hurt on his job. I said, what's his number? So I called him up and I said, Randy, this is Debbie. Oh, hi. I go, you want to go to the movies? He goes, well, I don't have any money. I said, well, I'll tell you what. I'll treat this time and you can treat next time. And there it was started. Really? Mm -hmm. Yep. Now, from this point of of Randy coming into the picture, was my dad completely out of the picture? Or oh, did you completely gone. Okay. No, he was completely gone. Now, where was I at this point? At Grandma Ruby's with me. Okay, so I was living... We okay, let's. Live, we both live with Grandma Ruby. Let's back up a little bit, because I do want to talk about one other memory I have. Is you went to Hawaii? Unfortunately, I had to stay home with Grandma Ruby. But that was in 1981. Isn't that weird? I remember that. Yeah. You brought home this like mat. I remember it was one of the things that you brought home. It was it was made out of bamboo or something. 
I don't know why I remember that, but it was just one of those weird memories that I actually have recollection of. I couldn't afford to bring too much back. That was everything was so darn expensive we could barely afford to eat. And that was in nineteen eighty one. Imagine yeah. what it is now. Um so let's see. Also also there's an, another thing that uh I wanted to bring up too because it's one of those I wish they had VCRs back then, folks. Back in that time, you had what? They were... It wasn't a VCR. Pol- no, just Polaroids. That was the, you know, take the picture. Of that no, time. but I mean like movie, home movie. Well, it, you had to have a... Yeah, they didn't have any of that stuff. <clears throat> we were probably too poor to buy it anyway, so... You were actually on TV. Yes? Come on down. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I went to the prices right twice. And the, the two times I went, somebody both, uh, Leslie got picked in our party. Now, who's Leslie? Uh, that's Brother Perry's sister. No, who's Brother Perry? My pastor. Okay. I'm just doing that because you have to Right. Tell. And then. But, uh, but he's also your friend. Yes. It's more than just pastor. Right. He's, he's my a friend. personal friend yes. of yours, too. And then um, I went with the church, and the pastor's wife, Sister Lene, got picked. But you, but you were in the audience. You can see. I was in the audience twice. The first time I went with Aunt Judy, so we were in the audience, but they didn't pick us. But uh, because I remember as a little boy, Grandma Ruby had this turn dial TV in the living room, and you were standing next to the TV, and we're all watching, and, and the the camera pans <laughs> left to right, and you're like, "Look, there I am!" So yeah, that's pretty cool. Okay, well, we're gonna put a pin in it right here because. Um, well, I need to go pee. So well, that's nice. <laughs> I, 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 you got to be open to these people. They, they want to know if, if you, you've got to go relieve yourself. But now we're at the point where I, exactly where I wanted to be. I wanted to cover you and my dad, the first half of the show, and now the second half we're going to cover my, who I consider my dad. This is going to be the second half of the show. Okay, so I'll be back. Um, so I'm David K. Montoya. And I'm his mother. To be continued. Yeah. Welcome to Seed Red. Thank you.